This episode is sponsored by Lube Marine, your global partner for pioneering lubrication solutions. This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Prianti Martin, and today we're going to talk about why the contracts that underpin the shipping business are getting in the way of tackling greenhouse gas emissions. For the last few years, Matt Hyder and his technology company Nautilus Labs have been working to help ship owners and charterers alike use digital tools to reduce their fuel consumption and through that, cut their greenhouse gas emissions. But while vessel and voyage optimization tech like that of Nautilus Labs is growing in importance in shipping, there has been a barrier to harnessing its true power to operate vessels more efficiently. And that's important because, while the shipping industry frequently talks about the green fuels of the future, there are ways that it can reduce its carbon footprint now by finding ways to burn less fuel, such as optimizing speed or arriving just in time at ports. Hyder is chief executive at Nautilus. I think what we've seen over the course of time is consistently we run into these barriers to efficiency that are kind of outside the bounds of control of individual companies, individual users. And what that is, is that's that underlying commercial frameworks that exist in the industry, right? It's hard to build a maximally efficient building on a very shaky foundation. And that's what we have from a commercial perspective. Recently, Nautilus Labs and shipping organization BIMCO came together to identify some of the problems in a white paper. Voyage charters, a key form of agreement in shipping spot market, don't incentivize companies to optimize arrival time, what is known as just-in-time arrival. Instead, these contracts use what's called demerge charges that pay ship owners for sitting around at port, resulting in hurry-up-and-wait behavior. Ships speed up to arrive at the port and then idle to collect these fees, even though slower speeds might have resulted in lower emissions. Also, the two organizations wrote that time charter contracts, in which ship owners rent out their vessels for a period of time, are set up in a way that doesn't encourage efficiencies because of split incentives. In such contracts, it's the charterer who pays for fuel, so the ship owner has no imperative to invest in fuel savings and doesn't receive the benefits of efficiency. And then there's data sharing, with manual collection of information appearing on contract forms that were created long before anyone cared about CO2 emissions. When you think about the commercial landscape and where the inefficiency is baked in, I think the, the, the very first thing that has to change is the sharing of information, right? So I think at a, at a fundamental level, 70% or more of the time, the person who's responsible for the fuel consumption has very little actual data about their vessel, how it performs, how to optimize it. And so I think if you think about sort of structural change, foundational change, you want to build build up, which I think is also part of, you know, speaks to your question. Um, you have to start there with, with that, that, that ability to do that in a way that does not increase claims risk. So that's like fundamental principle number one is sharing more information for better outcomes to reduce claims risk and improve CO2 emissions and and fuel consumption. We think about that in the bounds a lot of times of say CII readiness. So owners want to make sure their CRI score is is good, share more information to drive more efficient operations on the charter side, and then ultimately, you know, baking in the ability to exclude any data shared in that context from claims. 
you you build on top of that with I, I think a second concept, which is sort of dynamic performance in speed and consumption tables. One of the big things that we see right now, and you see it uh, really across the market, um, and and especially in a lot of uh, spots, so like bulk spot contracts, is a lack of dynamic speeds. So a vessel might be written with full speed, eco speed. They're they're basically giving the ship two options in terms of how fast it can travel when. To really optimize a voyage, you would want them to have a panoply of choices. You want them to be able to go whatever speed is most efficient. Um, but because the contracts are written with this sort of noon data lens, and they're written, you know, in a kind of a short-term mindset, um, they're written with these sort of speed restrictions built into the way the contract's written. In in, in Weppel, you actually get very literal speed restrictions where you have an about clause, you can go within half a knot of a given speed over the course of an entire voyage. It doesn't actually make sense. It, it makes sense with when it was written. If it was written before the advent of modern te technology and data connectivity and data processing and machine learning and all these concepts that we have now today, okay, I understand how an average speed or a specific speed was possible to measure and easy to verify in that old world. But in this new world, you don't have that. And so that ability to have more dynamic speeds, more dynamic performance uh, inside of the contractual agreement, I think is, is really key to ultimately unlocking just-in-time arrival. Hyder is not alone in questioning the contracts at the heart of shipping's commercial structures. I was recently in Norway for the biggest shipping industry event of the year, Nor Shipping. There, I heard Christian Bonfels, head of Copenhagen Commercial Platform, a company that helps dry bulk vessels operate more efficiently. He was speaking at the Maritime Leadership Summit, organized by Capital Link and DNV. Data is available, but all the contracts we, we fix the ships at are... Uh, 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 Backdated and they have split incentive. Uh, uh, vessels are operated as per, by warranties uh, because of inaccurate data. We have lots of tolerances in the contract, so no one is really incentivized to to improve. He sees contracts as part of the solution. By changing the contracts, we can do quite a lot, and I think collaboration is more than just talk about it. But we need to have that implemented into into contracts. At the same conference, Lasse Christofferson, who's chief executive of car carrier operator Willenius Wilhelmsen, questioned whether shipping is set up for the change that's being asked of it. The structure of the industry doesn't help in a transition because it's, it's set up in a way that really conforms yesterday, right? Uh, owners doing TCs and you have ship managers and there's so many layers uh, and each one is not incentivized and that's why owners like ourselves and others really have a responsibility to orchestrate that. That becomes increasingly important now that the European Union is introducing shipping into its emissions trading system, requiring the industry to buy carbon allowances in order to pollute. There's something extremely important happening right now, and that is that carbon goes from being something we report to something we transact upon. And that will completely change how we think around carbon. I mean, we're starting to pay for EU ETS, now, when we are getting our customers to pay for reduced carbon emission, they are transacting on that basis. So the, uh, one of the big barriers in this industry is to create commonly trusted, available data on carbon so we can transact on it. And when you report, it's up to you to make it right. When you transact, it's something different. So there's a big change now that really is challenged by the structure of this industry. The commercial structures and contract forms that are so often used in shipping have lasted this long for a reason and they've helped ships and ocean-going freight to be treated as commodities that are easily bought and sold. But Ingvild Sather, chief executive of shuttle tanker owner Altera Infrastructure, said that it may be this commodified foundation that needs to change. 
we have now had a very efficient market where it is a commodity market and prices declaring. Uh, I think we need for the transition that we need to go through, uh, think about it more in, in industrial terms and back to uh, what uh, uh, Knut was talking about, also collaboration. Uh, we don't have the right collaboration today. It's extremely difficult to get the, the owners, uh, the charterers, financing, technology aligned. We need to think not only for the next quarter and the, next, and, and the bottom line today, but, but how we can align it uh, in, the, in the longer term. So what can be done about these commercial structures that stand in the way of cutting emissions? Some have argued that these contracts that are so fundamental to shipping may have to completely change in the future. For now, Hyder's Nautilus is aiming to change key clauses to allow ship owners and charterers to better work together to boost efficiency. Tradewinds recently reported that Nautilus has proposed a solution of its own, the Green Charter. The initiative aims to use machine learning-based data to foster new legal frameworks in shipping contracts. The Green Charter aims to unlock information sharing between the ship owner and charterer so that the two sides can collaborate. Nautilus described its technology as serving as a shared source of truth between the two sides of a charter deal. The hope is that transparency and collaboration will help incentivize efficiencies. A key tool that is part of the Green Charter is the use of digital twins, a digital copy of a vessel that can be used in simulations to find the most efficient outcome of decisions. Over the last few years, what we've begun to explore are ways that we can facilitate data sharing across counterparties, you know, reduce claims risk around it, and help to drive sort of mutually beneficial outcomes to both owners and charters uh, based on, on higher fidelity, more trustworthy data. And that's what Green Charter is, right? It's, it's a legal transformation where you're, you're baking into your commercial agreements the ability to share more information, act on more information, uh, and have more you know, sort of open transparency and trust built into a charter party. And using technology like digital twins to help to do the analysis, make the insight, and generate the prediction, that helps to take the more efficient action. But that's not all it will take to push shipping toward near-term improvement of its greenhouse gas footprint. The International Maritime Organization is gearing up for an important decision in July on whether to adopt a more ambitious decarbonization target for 2050, with many nations calling for a net zero or zero carbon goal. But Hyder wants to see more ambitious goals sooner, including an aggressive target for 2030 when the UN body's Marine Environment Protection Committee holds its MEPC-80 meeting next month. I really hope, really advocate that MEPC-80, we embrace loftier goals for decarbonization near term. I think we need it. I think without it, we're going to continue to kick the can down the road. Uh, we're gonna to continue to wait for you know, some sort of innovation that is very long form transformation. And we're going to end up 10 years down the road and realize that we're gonna miss 2050. And so I think a more aggressive, more aspirational target is needed today. more on the environment and the business of the ocean. The Green Seas newsletter talked to Cargill Ocean Transportation President Jan Dilleman about the orders for methanol-fueled bulk carriers that followed his company's pioneering deal at the start of the year. The rush to order Camser Maxes, powered by the alternative fuel, is exactly what the company wanted, he told me. Sign up for the newsletter at tinyurl.com slash greenseas.
Tradewind's Gary Dixon reported that Norway's Yara International is teaming up with Spanish fuel company Sepsa to launch a hydrogen shipping corridor from the Netherlands to Spain. Its Yara Clean Ammonia unit will form a strategic partnership with the oil company for the first such venture between Algeciras and Rotterdam. Read these stories and more at tradewindsnews.com. Music for this episode is by DMD Production on Pixabay.